Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Backblaze Online Backup, a simple way to backup all your movies, photos, music, videos, and all the data on your Mac or PC for just $5 a month. It's simple, and you can access all your data online from wherever you are. Start your 15-day trial absolutely free by going to backblaze.com slash cpc. That's B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E dot com slash c-p-c. Thank you very much. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arnault and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories Podcast. We're representing a few of our favorite festival appearances over these couple weeks to celebrate having a show as part of the Chicago Podcast Festival's monthly feature series next Monday night at the Beat Kitchen. And so what you're about to hear today was the first show we recorded as part of the Chicago Podcast Festival in November 2016. This comes from Steppenwolf 1700 Theater, a very new and cool venue, and was the first show we recorded after Donald Trump's election, uh, which you can tell is on some folks' minds here. Uh, It features the fantastic performers Mike Gifford, Eileen Tull, and Tim Barnes in his only Your Stories appearance, plus myself, Dwight Hassler, Becca Brown, and the one and only Claire Friedman holding down the tunes. This was a really great show. I think you'll love listening back to it. So enjoy this episode, and make sure you grab your tickets to see us at the Beat Kitchen next Monday. Uh, You can find the ticketing link on our website and uh, Facebook page as well. We'll also be uh, previewing a brand new Nerdalogs podcast at that show, which we're really excited about, so do not miss it. We're going to have to talk into a mic for this. There's four chairs up here because you're going to hear some music before the show. There's four of us musicians. And the show started out with just me and Dwight emceeing and playing music. So we're going to do a song tonight. Uh, every show is a theme. The theme tonight is opening act because we're the opening act for WBEZ's Pleasure Town. Let's give it up for Pleasure Town. <laughs> Pleasure to Abby. Um, so these are all songs by uh, bands that we have seen be tremendous openers, starting with... Oh, uh... Uh, a couple years ago, I I went to go see the Rage Against the Machine reunion, um, and uh, Queens of the Stone Age opened for them, and it was just an insanely good show. Uh, it rained all day, and the hill was just a big pile of mud, so that was uh, fun. 
Uh, but yeah, these guys were great. And uh, so this song is called The Lost Art of Keeping a Secret. It was an outdoor show, in case you were wondering. That's why No, it was indoor, and uh, <laughs> there's just mud everywhere. <laughs> it's this new uh, architectural thing they're trying. Two, three, four. I've got a secret I cannot say. Blame all the movements, give it away. You got something I understand. Holding it tightly, caught on command. Leap of faith, do you doubt? Cut you in, I just cut you out. Whatever, do. Don't tell anyone, whatever you do. Don't tell anyone Look for reflections In your face Canine devotion Time can't erase Out on the corner Locked in your room I never believed them And I never assumed I still can't believe There is a lie Promise is promise An eye for an eye We've got something To reveal no one can know just how we feel Whatever you do Don't tell anyone Whatever you do Don't tell anyone Whatever you do Don't tell anyone Whatever you do So can we introduce two more of our beloved musicians? Please welcome Claire Friedman and Becca Brown. Woo! This is very important. Uh, so this is actually Claire's last weekend of performing in Chicago. Her farewell show is Sunday. So this is the last show she's going to do where we're not all crying about how she's leaving. Yay! But if you want to cry a little bit, that's all right. Cry a little. <laughs> <laughs> Tell this crowd really connected to you. I know. Um, we're gonna need your help on the chorus of this song. It's gonna be real simple. What you guys it need is. to do, and we gotta ask how you're feeling. That's a big part of the song. Two, three. 
I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. Hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. Woo, child, tighter than bullshit. Go and dust your shoulders up. Keep it moving. Yes, Lord, try to get some new shit in this. And we're going to the bullshit. Come on now, try your eyes. Superstar at the Double Door, and it was uh, he's amazing live, and she blew him out of the water. Um, <laughs> so it, that was such a good show. Uh, speaking of such a good show, man, five years of doing this, you're gonna miss <laughs> you're gonna miss me starting songs in the wrong key. <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna miss that, Claire. Yeah, Yay! it's worth mentioning we have been doing this five years. Our five-year anniversary show is coming up at the Hideout in, on December 17th. We're going to do a full band, which is pretty incredible. But let's talk about tonight. So we brought three of our very favorite storytellers tonight, two who have slayed it every time they've been up here, and one who hasn't done our show but is a fucking great dude. You'll see him in a minute. But please, let's first welcome to the stage Mr. Mike Gifford. Thank you, Eric. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have a reason to leave the house on a Friday. Normally, I'd be at home watching reruns of Columbo. But uh, 
And how convenient for Netflix. I have a young roommate, and he showed me how to do it, and it's a miracle. So anyway, and Peter Falk looks great in HD, but I digress. So uh, so tonight, the topic that the, the Nerdlogs chose for us is opening act. All right, so in theatrical terminology, the opening act is referred to to highfalutin Steppenwolf audience as the curtain raiser. I'm the curtain raiser. See, what that means is you have a headliner that people pay money to see, and then there's an opening act that ideally should have the ability to breathe, smile, and get off the stage as quickly as possible because they typically have no idea what they're doing. So that's the inspiration for how I'm going to entertain you tonight. Thank you again, Nerdalogs. Sidebar. Abraham Lincoln was perhaps our greatest president. His biographies, like Doris Kearns Goodwin, always start with Lincoln's humble beginnings. Something like, firstborn son, born in a log cabin, stirring. So, if a biography is written about me, it will begin with Michael Gifford. Firstborn son conceived in a trailer with shag carpeting. Trailer is not as presidential as log cabin, but Donald Trump's our president now, so anything's possible. I was the firstborn, my parents' opening act. And you know what that means. <sighs> Breathe. Smile. And nobody knows what they're doing. Much like our future president and his cabinet. But then I got older. My parents got older. We learned, we negotiated a truce, and things happen. Those things being my lovely brother and sister, whom I love, despite the fact that they got to drink Capri Sun after I left the house, and I was lucky if I got Tang. Tang! <laughs> What's Tang anyway? It's so strange, it's weird, it's orange. It's the same complexion as Donald Trump. Don't drink Tang, you might vote Republican. So, I joined the college Republicans. Yes, yes, I joined the Ohio State Republican Party. But then, I slept with the male vice president of the college Republicans. Yes, I slept with him. I, I had sex with this guy. He 
He's married now. I hope someone has a timeline, but I digress. <laughs> the fact is, much like Tang and anything else, homosexuality and Republicans don't mix well. Doesn't work well. Not working. And I gradually found that I preferred the male penis to conservative politics. <laughs> Perhaps if more people came to that conclusion, we'd have less Catholics, but I digress. <laughs> but then, but then, take a sharp turn to the left. My, my younger brother, my brother, the, the hope of my, of my Methodist minister father, the, the shining beacon. He comes out as gay too. And worse than that, he's way gay. I mean, he's way better at being gay than I ever could be. I mean, look at me. He's, those are the shoes of a homosexual who has given up. But then, but then, my, my parents and my sister, they took a turn to the left because my brother's so good at being gay and he got a, a good uh, boyfriend named Paul and they travel to Paris together and everybody's having a nice old gay time and they, they like gay people now. My parents even vote for Democrats. What? How did this happen? I think it's because my brother has a beard much like Abraham Lincoln. It's in right now. Who knew? But I had to carve the way first. End of sidebar. So, so my job is to leave the stage. So, my name is Michael Gifford, and I have been your opening act. Thank you very much. Eric? Mike Gifford, everybody. Give it up for Mike Gifford. Oh, my God. Mike is consistently one of our favorite storytellers at Your Stories. He actually will be speaking at Claire's Farewell Sunday. He said this was going to be the clean, tight story, and Sunday is going to be the, the filthy, digressive one. So, guys, come Sunday. It's going to be fucking wonderful. Coming up next to the stage, this, uh, this woman has told some fantastic stories here. She is uh, the producer, writer, star of a one-woman show about Harrison Ford that toured Chicago last year. I hope you got to see that. It was so great. Please welcome Eileen Tall. I work with kids. It's a strange time to work with kids. It's an even stranger time to work with kids who weren't born in the United States or whose parents weren't. I don't know how some of my kids got here. I don't know how their parents got here. But I don't ask them that. I ask them, how was your day? I ask them, do you need help with your homework? I ask them, do you want to play Mario Kart today? Because I have the best job in the world. It's an after-school program. Uh, it's basically glorified babysitting, but I love my kids, and they think that Miss E is pretty okay if maybe a little weird sometimes. There's one kid. We'll call him Ralph. Now, Ralph was not born in the United States, but has lived here most of his six long years. 
Ralph's parents struggle with English, and his live-in grandmother speaks only their language. His younger brother, let's call him Mike, does not speak very much at all of any language. Mike is four years old and falls somewhere on the autism spectrum. It's hard to tell exactly where until he can get tested. He is mostly nonverbal and is prone to fits and screams. He reacts violently when he can't communicate, which is most of the time. So you can imagine that little Ralph tries very hard to be good in reaction. See, he's not the problem one. See, he's obedient. See, mom and dad, everything's okay, right? And though Ralph is a very good and sweet little boy, he cannot read a lick. You know, the average CPS classroom is 30 kids full these days, and so a barely English-speaking first grader who is problematically agreeable can and will easily slip through the cracks. So Ralph's mom comes to me one day, distraught and begging me to help him read because she doesn't know how to help him. I don't understand, she says, pointing at a big list of words that he has to know by the end of the quarter. I, though never schooled in methods of teaching, much less teaching English as a second language to a six-year-old, I nevertheless agreed to do what I can. So Ralph and I spend weeks slogging through words like can, at, you, and a particularly troublesome episode with the. But we make very little headway overall. Ralph is becoming more and more frustrated, and I'm worried that, worried that he will stop wanting to learn at all. I'm frustrated too, kid, I think to myself. This fucking election, this horrible year, family death, financial trouble, and an ongoing battle with bed bugs in my apartment. And now this impending horror show of the most hateful, racist, misogynistic, and bigoted presidential administration in a whole lifetime. Everything is about to get so much more difficult for people like Ralph and his mother and his little brother. So we are sitting there and we're trying to read the word river. And Ralph struggles to find the V v sound, trying to differentiate it from the th. TH sound and the F sound. My God, English is so hard to learn. His eyes fill with tears. What's wrong? I ask. Nervous is the only word he can get out, trying not to cry. It's okay, I say. Me too, kid. I am so nervous and so scared. I close the book. Let's go upstairs, I say, and we, our whole group of kids, we go up to this big room on the third floor, and we just fucking play. We just play. We get a ball, and we play a big, intricate, moving game of volleyball or tips or don't let the ball touch the floor combination. There's no rules, and it's fine. And we're all diving on the floor and reaching up high and running and swatting at the ball and working with each other. There's no teams. And I haven't felt the freedom of feeling like a kid for so long. And then suddenly Ralph's mom walks in with Mike in tow. And Ralph runs up to her, imploring in their language to let him stay, stay, stay just a little longer. 
And she says yes. Ralph grins, his smile almost wrapping around his little head. Mike stares silently and watches us play. And suddenly he points. And then very clearly, he yells, Ball! And he runs into the middle of our group. And now he's playing. He's playing with us. His hand connects with the ball, and he laughs as we scurry after it. And Ralph protects him, making sure his little brother gets a turn. And I wonder if they have ever played like this, ever before. These city kids, so different from me and my brothers, in huge fields in Ohio, just us and the sky. And we're all breathless with effort and laughter and cheering. And then Ralph's and Mike, Ralph and Mike's mom takes off her coat and joins us hitting the ball around and running, and all of our faces are streaked with sweat and dirt, and I think this is enough. Just for today, this is enough. Thank you so much, Eileen Tall. Oh, man. Um... So this is the first show we've done after the election, and it I'm going to be serious for one second. It's a weird time to like create anything, I feel like. It just doesn't feel like maybe that's where our energy should go, and I'm very grateful that the thing that we're creating, me and Dwight and Claire and Becca and Kevin right here, we're creating something that hopefully makes people feel better and not, not empty and maybe does something good. So thank you so much, Eileen, for voicing those frustrations. It's very... All right, cool. So we have one more storyteller tonight, and in a bit of a show inception, he already introduced me, and now I'm going to introduce him. I just saw this gentleman, uh, his podcast, It's All True, open up for Improv Nerd and the Kevin McDonald Show at the Athenaeum, and uh, he was incredibly electrifying on stage. His guest was amazing. It was such a good time. I really need to start listening to your podcast more. Please welcome Mr. Tim Barnes. Never been called electrifying. Whose uh, iPad is this? Can I just touch it every now and then? Pretend like I have uh, something prepared. <laughs> opening act. What is an opening act? It's an introduction. I think I'm bad at introductions. Usually I try to give people a few seconds to get adjusted to my face. You know, because I feel like there's something... Like the show that I did, uh, I interviewed Rhymefest, and he told me that he liked my hair because it's like a hat. You know? <laughs> I do think I shield myself. This is like a helmet, bad at introductions, don't know how to talk to people, don't really enjoy small talk, which is weird because I have a podcast where I just interview people. I'm talking in front of strangers right now. It's very bizarre. Um, yeah, but it's true. This, this is a joke, but it's true that whenever I walk in the train, I feel like there's a couple seconds where people are thinking, oh my God, is he going to be crazy? You know? And I get it, because whenever I walk on the train, there's a couple seconds where I think to myself, you know what, am I going to be crazy? <laughs> Opening act. I think if my life... Uh, what is the true... I think everyone, everyone has a life, right? Can, that's, we can all... Everyone has a life. I have a life. Uh, where, like, if I were to write a play about my life, what would be... The, the opening act of it, I think it's something that happened to me when I was in college. Okay. The opening, the first thing to introduce you to, to, to who I am. So a uh, little bit of backstory. I, I, I was a sheltered kid. I grew up in South Central LA. 
which I, is a pretty bad neighborhood I hear. I wouldn't know I wasn't allowed to go outside, like I said. Um, spent a lot of time with my imagination, movies. Um, I love Lord of the Rings, you know. It's not good when you're the only black person amongst your imaginary friends, I can tell you that. So I was a sheltered kid. Loved movies. I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, so I, after high school, I, did, I had no, like people kept talking about college. I didn't know what it all meant. My parents really wanted me to go to college, but they didn't go to college. So I was just like, I, I went to college and I was, it's the same thing I used to do whenever I went outside as a kid because I didn't enjoy the outside. I just, you know, my favorite activity was confused shrugging. That's, <laughs> like that was me. In like, okay, I'm here. This is not fun. I guess I'm learning stuff. Why am I paying for this? Like I never, like, I feel like you take tests as a favor to the teacher so they can see their progress. Like I really, like I used to pretend to fail classes. Well, not pretend, I would fail classes <laughs> just to see if I felt anything and I did not. And as soon as I realized I really don't care about the letter F, um, I began the process of becoming, becoming a comedian. So I went to Santa Barbara City College. Uh, I was a film, film student. And uh, yeah, very bored with life. Very, you know, uh, Santa Barbara's a very white uh, neighborhood. I guess it's a neighborhood. Felt uncomfortable for things I couldn't even, that weren't really tangible. I just felt weird. I didn't know I was in college. I was working at a movie theater. That was also a, uh, <laughs> they would also have a lot of live shows, so I saw a lot of opening acts there. I remember once Jack Johnson was, was performing there, and uh, a very distinct memory of this guy, <laughs> this guy weeping. He walked out from Jack Johnson, who was still performing, and he called his girlfriend. Uh, I don't know what he was talking about, but I very distinctly remember that. <laughs> saw a few closing acts. I remember Avatar, big movie. Remember that movie, 3D? 3D movie, big opening. I mean, this theater, it was like, it was huge. It was 3,000 people seated. Um, uh, th there was a little person who, um, he went to the movie for a very specific experience. He was sad. I remember I, I sold him his popcorn, and he told me he he was frightened to watch this movie because it marked for him the end of a career in movies. Like, if you think about it, like, think about Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, it's just tall people and little people. <laughs> you know? And that's blue people's minds. Oh, Chewbacca, he's so tall. You got these Jawas on Tatooine, they're so little. This is so futuristic. So for this guy, Avatar was a closing act <laughs> for him. Uh, I remember cleaning up the theater afterwards. He was the only person who stayed during the credits, and he was in tears. He was seriously crying. Uh, and this leads to my the opening act. I was very confused with my life. wasn't feeling like I was even living. Uh, once uh, it was a very slow night, and I got uh, let out early. And I lived really close to this this movie theater, the Arl the Arlington Theater. Our uniform is like a 
a tuxedo without a jacket, <laughs> basically. So I was wearing like a bow tie and a vest, and I was walking home, and I think I was listening to some music, and there's this guy, uh, I didn't realize he was walking behind me until he tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, he was a very scruffy, um, uh, ambiguously Caucasian, you know, he's white, but I don't know what part of Europe. Um, <laughs> and he asked me if I had <laughs> a lighter for a cigarette. I didn't have a lighter. So um, the first warning sign should have been when he, after I said I don't have a lighter, he took out a lighter and lit his cigarette on his own, giving me very direct eye contact. Um, we have some general small talk. Like I said, I'm not good at small talk. But um, so I was like, what are you, what, what's up? <laughs> and he said something like he's going to visit his girlfriend or something. Um, I get to the corner of my place. Uh, he asked me if I have change for him to catch the bus. I don't have any change. And um, then he punched me in the face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that was shocking. Uh, adrenaline comes in at that point. Um, at some point, we got into a tussle, I think, you know, I haven't been in too many fights, but I, I recall, you know, punching punching him a couple times. And then he kept saying, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you. And then I kept saying, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It was very, uh, uh, do you listen to the blues? It's like a call and response kind of thing we were doing. Um, and then he stopped. And then he and he just told me to run. And I was in front of my place. So I go into my place. It was around this time of, it was around, it was like a Thanksgiving break. My roommate was visiting his family. I was still, uh, in Santa Barbara because I was working. And, uh, so I go into my place. I see that I'm bleeding out of my mouth, knock on another tenant's door. And I remember someone was like, Oh my God, it's like punching a puppy. Um, and so we, <laughs> uh, I wish I had a joke so you could stop doing that. Um, they, we run out to see which way the guy went. And then someone notices that I'm bleeding at the back on the back of my left shoulder. Um, turns out he was not lying when he said, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you. Uh, and the reason this is the opening act of my life, because I am a comedian now, I realized, like, I was thinking about comedy, but when I was in the ER, I, my default was to tell a lot of jokes. Because it was, I kept saying, you know, who stabs someone at 7 p.m.? Um, <laughs> But ultimately, like even then, it was it was just like a thing. It was like a, a thing that happened. Like I remember the next day, I had to call off work, <laughs> and uh, it was very casual. Like y y there's a suspicion when a co when a worker calls off work. Like oh okay, you're gonna pretend to be sick. It's like why are you, why are you why can't you come in? And then it's just like I was stabbed yesterday. <laughs> um, it's a great excuse. You should try it. And, but really, uh, after that, it was, it was the, uh, texts and phone calls from family members and things like that, that, uh, made me realize like, whoa, like people, like, I don't, I don't care about my life, but other people do. So not only is this the opening act of, of me kind of starting to care about my life, but realizing that I have, uh, uh, a life to, to uh, something to others. There's a word for that. 
But that's the end of my story. Yeah. Thank you, Tim Barnes, everybody. Give it up for Tim one more time. You're going to hear Tim in a moment because he's going to introduce the next act. Uh, I saw this artist at the first Lollapalooza I ever went to in 2007. And she was the first act that I saw at said Lollapalooza 2007. And she ended up being this mega star. Uh, and she just released an album that I'm obsessed with. And so we're going to do a song off that album. Oh, it's Lady Gaga. It's Lady Gaga. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. I wasn't trying to be cryptic. I just, you know. It is Lady Gaga. <laughs> yes. Heard of her? Uh, <laughs> no. Before we play the song, guys, let me thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Please give everybody who told the story a big hand. Thank you to the Chicago Podcast Festival. We are very honored to be here. Um, it's really wonderful. Very good time. And we got the Nerdalogs present your stories. Find a dry way, I forever be still. But you're giving me a million reasons, giving me a million reasons, giving me a million reasons, about a million reasons. I bow down to pray, I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn out leather. need one good one to stay Head stuck in a cycle I look off and I stare It's like that I've stopped breathing but completely aware You're giving me a million reasons Give me a million reasons Giving me a million reasons About a million reasons And if you see something that you might even mean It's hard to even fathom which parts I should believe Cause you're giving me a million reasons Give me a million reasons, give me a million reasons, about a million reasons. I bow down to pray, I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn out weather.
I just need one good one, good one. Tell me that you'll be the good one, good one. Baby, I just need one good one to stay. so much thank you Chicago Podcast Festival thank you Steppenwolf you guys have been lovely please stick around for Pleasure Town hey Dwight you want to go to Pleasure Town later (laughs) (laughs) this has been a Nerdalogs production if you'd like to help make more things like this please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff thanks for being awesome Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.